0: This is the Dot Bomb Squadcast, presented by Dot Bomb Industries. What's up guys? Hope everyone is doing well. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. If you're involved in our closed Facebook group, you'll know what this is all about. But if you're not, then Let me briefly explain. A couple weeks ago in our group, Dive Bomb Ministries Forum and fan page, I stated I wanted four Dive Bomb customers across the four flyways to join me on the podcast to talk about how running Dive Bomb decoys have helped them become more successful in the field. Uh, I want to have each guy on for roughly 15 minutes to make for an hour-long episode covering a wide range of places, showcasing the versatility of these products. So We allowed guys to volunteer and nominate their friends who they felt would be a good candidate for this talk. We then made a list and let everyone vote on the guys from that list that they wanted to hear on the podcast. So what will follow are conversations with our top four leading vote getters out of each flyway. So without further delay, leading off out of Pennsylvania representing the Atlantic flyway, we're joined by one of Dive Bomb's oldest customers, Brandon Moyer. Brandon, how's it going, man? Pretty good. How about you, Asher? It's going good, man. It's going good. I'm you know, I've I've got old emails with big piles of Atlantic flyaway honkers from Brandon that are over six years old, which is which is really, really awesome. Brandon, can you tell me? about the style of hunting your group was used to doing prior to running dive bomb decoys
1: well i gotta gotta say it almost leads back to the day my dad got hurt logging and uh he was no longer able to use a lay down blind so there was a tree line at the top of the farm we always hunt so we'd put a a burlap up top and just figured we'd give it a try you know if we get the correct win obviously but we uh we had uh been using full bodies when we hunted where we used to and uh it was just a lot you know my we were loggers so we had we had time a lot of time to hunt so uh it was just me and my dad and once he got hurt i just i got sick of putting out a ton of full bodies, you know. Or just it's just a lot, lot, lot of work for one guy. So, a buddy of mine had uh taken me to New York, and we sat this decoy spread out. It was it was dive bombs and a few real geese, and I was amazed at how great they worked. <clears throat> so I'd gotten some. Actually, Dave Bettis. A good friend of mine he's a call maker here local he took me up to his plant, parents place and uh, and I was impressed with with the way silhouettes work in general so I thought to myself you know let's let's make life a little easier you know made them punts with my dad a, a lot easier you know it's just it doesn't take the manpower to put out you know 10, 20 dozen to have a chance at track trafficking birds because really we only hunt the same field almost almost all year because it's just so so populated so populated out there where we hunt and uh you need big numbers of decoys so you, you have drawing power. So yeah that's kind of how it changed the game for us.
0: Awesome. Now when whenever you hunted with your friend dave and you went up there was that was that your first experience hunting over silhouette decoys
1: yeah it was it was uh dive Bomb had when I went on their page and, and Dave was he was on there before me I know that it was it was well under 800 likes that that page had at that point in
0: time <clears throat> that's awesome man N- was there ever part of you that, that thought, you know, when you're, when you see Dave bringing these out, you're thinking, man, there is absolutely <laughs> no way these things are going to work. Like, come on, seriously, you, like. You are absolutely
1: right. Uh, he had a whole trailer full of Dakotas at home. I'm thinking, why didn't he just tow that up? You know, I don't know if this is going to work, but you know, <laughs> I had faith in him. He, he's killed a lot of birds over the years and I didn't doubt him, but. I kind of doubted the decoys, but the the proof is it's in the pudding, you know, that they worked incredible and shot thousands of honkers on over these things over the years. And I made a lot of believers out out of people, including guys from New Jersey, all the way to New York, Pennsylvania, just, just a ton of believers.
0: You know, I'd have to say, I'd be, I'd be lying if I said, you know, when they had the poll up and, you know, I'm watching the numbers that I, I wasn't rooting for you because uh, because you have been running our, our decoys so long and you've been, you've been such a good, loyal customer and and helped us grow from early on. So I was, you know, I was really excited to see, um, you know, to see you get the opportunity to come on here because. Uh, obviously I'm a little bit partial because I've got, you know, old email threads, like I said, that are, you know, over six years old. So, um, I was pretty happy to see that, that you were going to be joining me and, and kind of going back to like wondering if they're going to work, you know, we travel around to so many guide services and outfitters and so many new places. Um, and a lot of times the clients that are with them, it's their first experience running over silhouette decoys and it's so funny like kind of seeing the tone and seeing them talk kind of like man like i don't know about this like (laughs) this this just doesn't feel right and then you watch the tone change very very quickly whenever things start happening and the action starts happening and by the end of the hunt they're just like dude this is the craziest thing ever which it's so funny because we're talking about you know, we're talking about silhouettes here. Like dive bomb, we've never, ever tried to say that we were the creators of the silhouette. That's just absolutely never been what we've been about or our goal. We will more than openly, you know, push the fact that silhouettes have been hunted for almost a hundred years. And it's, but it's absolutely awesome when you've got a product that that's been around and utilized for so long, since the beginning of, Of decoying waterfowl was even a thing and people still um they've maybe never even experienced it you know a lot of the guys up and coming now all they've ever known are you know are full bodies which are awesome i'll i'll say it full bodies are a great tool i think they've got a a strong place in the arsenal but i love seeing people's reaction you know after a hunt and just seeing the way it changes from from the start to finish like Whoa. Like that was crazy. We ran a hundred percent silhouettes or a hundred percent socks and silhouettes, um, with the results that I've, you know, that, that hunt was absolutely mind blowing. So that is a really, really fulfilling part. I mean, I would say, you know, every outfitter will say, Hey, if they drop the gate on their trailer and they've got any full bodies in there and they've got a bag of silhouettes, a hundred out of a hundred times, guys are going to grab the full bodies you know because that aesthetically that's what looks right to us and we say hey if that looks good to us it's going to look good to a bird but when you start breaking it down and start thinking about it from you know the way waterfowl see things we've talked about the way they perceive their environment you start to understand okay um, things are a little bit different things work different um you know and that's why 2d decoys are so effective and we've touched on it a lot one day we should just do an episode talking about waterfowl and the way they perceive their environment but i don't want to get into that right now i want to keep moving forward what what does your spread consist of these days um you know as far as you know come september what, what's it going to look like for you guys out there
1: <laughs> if the beginning of september we're going to count on hunting resident geese so there's not going to be a ton around now we'll run maybe five, 10 dozen. Now, when we go to New York late season, like, well, later in September, the last mm-hmm. three, four days of the season, you'll start to see them high flyers and we'll, we'll throw out everything we got. Literally, <laughs> if, if we can, if we can use them, we're, we're, gonna, we're putting them out there because it's just pulling and power and to sure. to go to New York and see them birds as specks in the sky and just lean on your call and watch them drop from, from such a, an unbelievable altitude, altitude. It's just, it's crazy. Until you go up there, Asher, which you, you'd said before this, that you're planning on going to Northern New York until you see this, you almost ain't going to believe it because these things are specks in the sky and you just lean on your call and they will cup up and come down like snows just they'll circle you and they'll end up at your feet 10 yards away and you'll That's mop them up. it's awesome. It, it's
0: it is awesome there's nothing like you know it. My, my only experience with those birds that you guys have over there um was up in in ottawa last year um with ryan reynolds you know those are the I think the same birds that you guys are getting those ones coming down from Quebec and boy, they decoy and finish better than any, than any birds that I think I've ever seen. Not, not saying they don't decoy and finish and, you know, across all their flyways, but so readily every day, like every group that we were there, it was like, didn't matter the conditions. It didn't matter the wind. It was just, it was just game over, man, like it was three days of just straight, and I mean close, like close, close, close decoy action, um so I'm you know I can't wait to get up there and experience them you know, in the states in New York up there um it because that was my only experience with those birds, and I gotta tell you it was I think it was the most most fun I had all year last year,
1: yeah, sure, it's a lot of fun, really enjoyable. <sighs>
0: Now, how has your spread changed over the last six, seven years that you've been running a product? Are you still pretty much running, you know, are you running the same V2s? Are you, you running any V2Fs? Are you running any sleepers?
1: Uh, we, we use some V2s, uh, mostly V2Fs. I do like a couple shells. I know you might not want to hear that, Asher, but <laughs> I like a couple <laughs> to hide dead birds under late season. That's okay, you know. But it's okay. <laughs> aside from that, it's it's all dive bomb. I'm I'm planning on buying some some silo sleepers. It's definitely my next purchase. But yeah, uh, as far as the spread, um, we'll run them as tight to that tree line that I said that we hunt in in late season we'll just pile them pile them in there just give them that, that focus point and then we'll 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 spider web it out you know so they can use pretty much any lane they want you know i just just don't put anything real real dense far away you just you just build it real heavy at the tree line and then just like i said spider web it out if it's a light wind day they'll they'll use any one of them lanes into that main feed head uh, you almost look at them as a as a snow goose if that makes any kind of sense to you that they want to get to that they want to get to that food
0: you know I, I i'm a big fan of of that type of spread you speak of you'll see it um you know on our i think we've got a video on youtube we do some death from below stuff but just giving birds like multiple options and then adjusting as you go. So so many times we just get so caught up in that like cookie cutter spread pattern. I think like, man, be organic. Like you don't have to say, "Hey, we have to shoot every bird feet down like right here." Like I think I think you're absolutely right given the birds multiple options you know, letting them feel comfortable, come in. and then if you need to adjust because they're doing something funny or sliding you or short stopping you, then then you can do that. So yeah. I absolutely agree. Now, we've been going about thirteen fifty now, so we're getting pretty close. Um, i gotta I gotta ask you, you know, you've been running our or we've had these same poses for a long time since the beginning and you know as i'm sure you're aware that we're coming out with some new alternate poses i think we're going to have those you know ready to go um in september i've got to ask i know you've got to be excited about that because you've been looking at these same decoys forever
1: (laughs) you know i i i really i mean i i like the idea of it but I have no problem with what I have now.
0: You don't care, huh? All right, hey, fair enough. I like to hear that. I like I like hearing from happy customers, but I mean, I figure of all people, you're like, golly, I'm just sick and tired of looking at these same poses right.
2: hey, all I'm, the time. I'm about
0: what works, you know? Hey,
1: and and another selling point, what sold me on on dive bomb is is the price. Who <laughs> can argue it? You know, they they work. <laughs> They work and they're so easy. The ease of use is
0: incredible. Oh man, we um, yeah, we greatly we greatly appreciate you and your support of the brand. Before I let you go, um, is there anything that you want to add? Anything you want to say? You got the you got the floor for a moment if you'd like it.
1: (laughs) I want to know when we're going to see some some snows full bodies. That's what I want to know.
0: You'll you'll see them eventually. Um, they're not in the direct pipeline right now, but uh, it is something that has been discussed and something that you will see in due time. So uh, we're just going to keep growing, um, you know, as, as, as uh, everything allows and just keep moving forward and uh, try to... Uh, Keep coming out with the best products at the best prices that we possibly can. And uh, we'll get there eventually, Brandon. <laughs> I know you will. It's incredible the way
1: you've grown over the time I've been with you. So, All
0: right, man. Well, I appreciate you taking your time to join me today. I know a lot of people voted for you, so I know they're they're going to be excited to, to get to hear you for a few minutes here. All right. Thanks a lot, buddy. Okay. Thanks, Brandon. Have a good evening. Yep. See ya. And next up, representing the Mississippi Flyway, out of his new garage in uh, Rochester, Minnesota, just moved in a day ago. Uh, Mr. Cody Scheimer, Cody, what's good, man?
3: Hey, how's it going, boys?
0: <laughs> hey, it's going, man. I appreciate you uh, taking your time out of a very busy schedule to jump on here with us. I know you got a lot going on, so so we really appreciate it.
3: Yeah, not a problem. Not a problem.
0: Yeah. Now, just just jumping into this, I'm not going to read the entire thing, but I'm going to read a little from your post on the Facebook thread that was made for this guest podcast. And you said, hunt everything from early season honkers to chasing snows in the spring. I was always a big full body guy. Never could quite break away from that trend until three to four years ago. Now everything I own is silhouettes and socks. To be honest, I was very skeptical on the solo side of things, but that had a lot to do with never really having any experience with them. Now that I've used them, I doubt I will ever go back to full bodies and shells. First of all, thanks a lot for the kind words and positive feedback on the products. Very humbling. Second, I honestly believe the biggest solo skeptics are the guys who have never given them a fair shot. You said yourself, you're, you're quite skeptical of them because you didn't really have any experience hunting over them. What was that aha moment maybe in the field that made you say, okay, these things aren't a gimmick. I can consistently put up real results with these things.
3: Well, for me, it was... I mean, I started looking into them for the space aspect of it because, you know, I mean, back where I'm from in Illinois, you know, there's not a lot of honkers, but, you know, you want good honker hunting, you got to run 150, 200 full bodies minimum. And for me, it just got to the point where, you know, college kid don't have a ton of money. I can't invest in trailers and all that stuff. And it was really just space for me. And so, you know, I dabbled in it a little bit, started kind of weeding through shells and full bodies and replacing them with silhouettes and was seeing the same results. And, you know, as, as I got more comfortable with them, I started building more and more silhouettes and pulling more full bodies out. And like I said, I mean, really didn't see any difference in the way the geese worked, reacted, anything like that. And the numbers were still there. So... You know, right then it was like okay hey you know I can carry a whole spread in by myself you know because a lot of the hunting I did was with either me or a buddy or two you know and it was like man you can put triple the amount of silhouettes out and you can put them all in the bed of a truck rather than needing you know a 18foot trailer for 200 300 full bodies
0: you mentioned space and and of course I think the the Number one factor, probably when most people start making the trans transition to silhouettes is is money. they they're able to to jump into it um, without having to take out a substantial amount of money. But I think a one very overlooked element that a lot of people don't realize right out of the gate is, like you said, it's space. I mean, guys that are uh, maybe restricted to where they live as far as garage space or shed space, or maybe a young college guy that, uh, has a camper shell, um, you know, maybe in a dorm, you know, just the ability to still be able to run a really, really big competitive spread with a minimal amount of space, I think is one of the biggest selling points for the decoys. Um, you know, we, we had a day, This past year, we were up in Wyoming and we loaded up, we had a truck with a camper shell on it and we put, I believe it was 80 dozen in the back of that truck and we still had room to spare. Are a lot of the places that that you're hunting, are they... You know, I know you're kind of in the upper Midwest right now. I imagine most of the fields, are you able to drive in or do you guys have situations where you've got to walk in? Uh,
3: Most of our situations, I actually, out of respect for most of the farmers, they don't really like me driving in. So I usually use a four-wheeler and, you know, four-wheeler with a flat trailer and you can just get you know you could get the whole spread in one load you know and you don't need you know i can haul everything in the bed of my truck four-wheeler on the trailer in the back you don't no need for an enclosed trailer or any of that stuff and and yeah it just it, it just made it easier and you know a lot of sandbars on the rivers up here so you know boat space that's huge you know and when you're running you know, floaters and everything else. I mean, goose floaters take up a lot of space. So having the silhouettes and the socks to be able to throw up on the deck of the boat and, you know, you can run a, you know, couple hundred decoy spread and not take up, you know, a whole boat, you know, worth of decoys.
0: Yeah, I know, I know in your neck of the woods, um, you are running a lot of traffic. A lot of times that's the name of the game is big spreads running traffic, are you most of the, pl- I know there's a lot of guys that run in pit blinds up there, you know, permanent pit blinds that are in really good, historically well-trafficked areas Are you, most of your situations, are you running pit blinds or, or are you running, are you running layouts or A-frame style blinds?
3: Most of everything I do is layout blinds. Actually this year will be the first time I ever use an A-frame. <laughs> I've always talked about buying one, but you know, never had anybody or enough people to justify buying one because it's like I can hide one or two people in a layout blind, no problem, you know. And so, yeah, we just I mean, I I'm not a big I've never been a big put a pit in, you know, put a big spread out and just run traffic. I've always been sure. I mean, maybe that's the snow goose chaser in me, but I've always been a big advocate of being very mobile. Um, and I always try and, you know, I want to be where the birds want to be. So, you know, you, everybody knows that that changes day to day, you know, and, and I mean, honkers are a little more easier to pattern, but you know, if you're not on the X, you know, yeah, you can still have good success running traffic. I, uh, Heck, I do that over water all the time. And, you know, running on sandbars and shallow bays and stuff like that, you know, we run a lot of traffic up here. Um, but for field hunting, I've just always, you know, it, it's really the mobility of it is where I've always been. And so that's, you know, just kind of what I grew up with and what I'm used to.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I'm so... I I like all styles of hunting, but man, I'm so into that running gun, scout them out, set up on them, make the adjustments as needed and pick it up, move them out and let's do it and, you know, do it again somewhere else the next day. Like I absolutely get fired up doing that. Like it's, it's just, I don't know. There's just something about it. That's so rewarding. Don't get me wrong. I'll, I'll love, I'll drive into a field and. Hop in a pit, you know, perma spread or whatever. It's all cool, but there's just some sort of like that, that chase aspect of finding them, seeing, you know, what they want. How are they, how are they finishing? You know, are they finishing good? Are they finishing right where we want them to? Do we need to make it a little adjustment here or there with the spread? Like there's just something about that that just, I don't know. I just, I just love it, man. I love all of it, but, but that part of it gets me, gets me pretty pumped up is just constantly moving and staying on the birds being where the birds want to be. Now I want to shift gears. uh, I I know you like to chase snow geese. Is that right? Oh, that's, yeah, that's my passion. I'll, I'll hunt them. That's kind of your passion, huh?
3: Oh yeah. Give me a choice. I'm picking snow geese every time.
0: What is it about snow geese that just drive you crazy and keep you up at night?
3: They're smarter than me. I hate to be outsmarted.
0: They're the hardest waterfowl to consistently kill day in and day out without a doubt. And anybody that argues otherwise hasn't done it enough. Oh, yeah. I I mean, it's it's just the way it is.
3: Yeah, I agree 100%. Strength in like. numbers. Uh, yeah, I grew up, you know, we started from, uh, when we started running them for the conservation season, it was, I mean, we started with the old plastic Texas bags. You know, from the north winds to the full bodies. And now, you know, my buddy and sure. I run a, a mobile sock spread. And I mean, I think the biggest thing, I love chasing them. Uh, I mean, I love scouting and chasing snow geese as much as I, I like finishing them. And for me, it's, you know, you always hear, especially the last couple of years, everybody's like, Oh, you know, it's going to be a tough year. It's going to be a tough year. Hatch was bad. A lot of adults for me. I, I, oh man, that gets me going. Cause there's just bring there's it so, on. <laughs> right? Well, there's something about, uh, you know, even if, you do all the work and you kill five birds you kill five adult snow geese and you know you can go home at night and be like all right i did you know i accomplished something you know i fooled one of the right. smartest birds waterfowl birds in the world like i mean hands down hardest to hunt and hey i fooled them you know and and for me that's that's where it's at you know i i i just like to know that i outsmarted the smartest
0: I agree. You know, and it's, it's awesome to go out there and shoot, you know, 200 birds and 185 of them be juvies. But the fact of the matter is, like you said, it's just really rewarding knowing that you decoyed and killed a bird that there's no telling, you know, unless it was banded, how old it was and also how many spreads that bird has seen. You know, it's just, it's killing an, an adult snow goose is, is really quite an accomplishment. And, you know, the guys that, that do it the best, um, you know, they'll even, they'll even admit that it's just, it's not always what you see on social media. You know, we see a lot of pretty stuff on social media and a lot of great hunts, but you don't see a lot of, a lot of frustration and a lot of really, really bad hunts, you know, but as Snow goose go as snow goose hunting goes. We know that it's a big wind and weather game. You know, you've got to catch them on the right day in the right conditions. If I've given you, i am giving you a chance right now to create your own conditions. Okay. So hypothetically, let's say we've got a feed of, of, uh, 25,000 snow geese. You've got, um, you know, bunch of Rossies in there, quite a lot of juvies. It looks like it's going to be a really, really nice feed. Build your perfect scenario as far as what field you'd like to be laying in. And I'm talking about for the spring. I'm going to say spring snows, let's say um, early March. And let's build your perfect scenario as far as the type of field you'd like to be laying in with your hide and the wind and the weather
3: okay well if i'm hunting in the morning i'm going cornfield sunny with about a 10 mile an hour wind 10 to 12 you know just enough to get all the socks moving i'm not a big rotary guy um just never really have been so uh we got some uh what we call hoppers uh from a guy out of kansas city missouri And, uh, 10 mile, 12 mile an hour wind, man, they look, I mean, they do exactly what they're said that they hop, you know, and that wind will keep them bouncing up and down and it just sucks birds right to them. And, you know, other than that, I mean, if I got a lot where I grew up, I mean that the lake I grew up by can hold anywhere from, you know, a couple thousand to two, three, four million birds. When I get a lot of adults, I like to run late morning, you know, over, if I can, over some sort of water hole, kind of a go-between between the feed and the roost, you know, catch them coming back, you know, they're fat and happy from eating all morning. You know, they just want to sit and loaf. That's, to, for me, late morning, over some sort, you know, a farm pond, flooded, you know, a flooded low spot in a field, you know, something like that where I can incorporate water with the set. Sure. That's my ideal. It just seems like, you know, it's something about those late morning water spreads that just get them birds to just, they get <laughs> dumb. They get, for lack of a better term, they get dumb.
0: Nick Costas with us. He is like, he loves snow geese. I I, I like hunting them that they don't, they don't do it for me the way that, the way that ducks do. And he just, he thinks it's so funny because I love ducks so much. And I think it's so funny that he's so crazy about snow geese, but man, you start talking to that dude about snow geese and back shooting them over a little, uh, you know, a little midday roost. And that dude, he's going to start getting some discomfort in his pants. I can guarantee it. (laughs) son. Like he is, he's going to get throbbed up, no doubt talking about some snow geese on, on a midday roost. So, um, you know, that's something I've never experienced, like an awesome hunt doing it. I've, I've, I've had a couple hunts that's been okay, but I haven't experienced one that was just insanely awesome. I was expecting it this spring up in Canada and, um, unfortunately due to COVID that got shut down, but we'll, we'll make it happen. Um, before I let you run, we, we rec- being a snow goose guy, I got to ask you, we recently dropped our V2 blues. What do you think about them? You like them?
3: Oh, you guys are killing me with this. <laughs> my wife hates me. Yes. They, I mean, they're awesome. Uh, I, I've always run socks with my snow goose bread this last year I bought, I think it was 10 dozen, uh, snow silhouettes just to, you know, something to break blinds up and stuff like that when we're hunting. And we liked them so much. I was like, I told my buddy, I was like, man, we should, we're in the process of revamping our whole spread and, you know, get rid of old, add new stuff like that. And I was like, man, we should seriously considering about adding another five or 10 dozen more and then come out and I sent him a picture of them I was like yeah I'll definitely be buying at least five to ten dozen of those for this spring <laughs> yeah they well, look they look good they I'll look really good
0: thank you I tell you what well um, I'll send you a dozen of them dozen v2 blues let you check them out let your buddies check them out We'll, uh we'll see how you like them and then if you decide you like them you can order some more so. That sounds uh, awesome
3: man. I appreciate I'll it.
0: Some, I'll get some sent out to you. You bet man. Well, um is there anything else you want to add? Um briefly I'll give you the floor if you got anything else anything you're excited about or uh this anything you're excited about this season as far as just getting back out there or do you got any special trips planned anything like that?
3: Yeah, actually, uh, right now, just my dad and I trying to get some buddies lined up, but going to North Dakota last week in October. And last year, yeah, last year, unfortunately, uh, I own my own business, so I had to cut the trip about four days short, and we were burning them up. And the first couple days we were there, we were hammering on them. And so I'm hoping, got some things straightened out. I'm hoping that, you know – Seems like the conditions will be right. The fields. I got a buddy that lives up there. Yeah. The fields are looking good. You know, a lot of small grain going in, so I'm definitely looking forward to some snow geese in the fall up there for sure.
0: Yeah, early early reports are very optimistic. Um, everything I've heard sounds really, really good. Very, very exciting. Um, it sounds like it's it's been a great a great uh, spring and summer up in north dakota and also in you know just the prairie pothole region in general so a lot of excitement for this coming waterfowl season cody i appreciate you joining me man i congratulate you on your move into your new place i hope you get everything settled in nicely and get yourself uh set up get all your decoys and everything arranged nicely before season it'll be here before we know it man
3: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks. I appreciate you having me on.
0: Okay, Cody. Thanks. We'll talk to you soon, man.
3: All right, sounds good.
0: And moving forward to the central flyway, we have Lauren Whiting. Lauren, how you doing, man?
4: I'm doing good. How are you, Asher?
0: Doing good, man. Thank you for taking your time to join me today.
4: Oh man, I appreciate you having me. Yes, sir. Absolutely. So um getting
0: going, I want to quickly read a little from your post on this thread for the guest podcast. And you said central flyway freelance hunting. Full bodies used to be all I used. And now these socks and silhouettes have changed freelancing for me, making setup and teardown faster than ever, allowing us to get on the road super quick after a hunt to scout for the next few days. <clears throat> With that said, you know, obviously everybody loves the the portability the maneuverability the small amount of storage uh, just light tactical lightning fast setup and tear down of these decoys but do you feel all those advantages of a silhouette and a sock do you feel they come with a price like do you feel your harvest numbers are on par with what the numbers you were seeing previously over full body spreads
4: Actually, I've actually seen an increase in uh, numbers that we've been killing. I mean, and like you were saying to a point with the amount of storage that you can save, you can run a whole lot more decoys as well and still save a lot of space in your trailer with, you know, with dive bomb and socks and silhouettes. And it's allowing us to run bigger spreads and still be able to tear down and set up just as fast or even faster. Um, as we were with full bodies and we're killing a lot more than what we were with full bodies. What does your current setup look like right now? Let's
0: say you, you shoot over to Kansas and you guys are, you know, you're chasing dry field mallards and uh, say lesser Canada geese or l- l- let's say honkers. I don't, I don't know exactly where you're hunting in the central flyway. I know we've talked a little bit about Kansas. We don't want to get, into too many details, but let's what is a typical a typical setup for you look like these days?
4: Um right now, well, last year we were running uh, close to forty dozen V two Fs um and probably twenty to thirty dozen M um, one mallards. Um and then, you know, the the Mallard socks and Canada socks mixed in, maybe 10, 10 to fifteen dozen a piece of each one. Um but this year is gonna be it's going to be completely different. We're shoot. I'm up to probably eighty dozen V2Fs and uh, S5Fs, S3Fs um, for the Canadas, and then probably another thirty dozen M1 Mallards and the uh, uh, Mallard socks. Wow!
0: So you're going to be able to throw the the mega spread at them.
4: Yeah, <laughs> and then we've got snow socks and stuff like that that we we mix in every now and then, depending on what we find and. Um, some of our feeds you know specs stuff like that but mainly mainly canadas and mallards
0: are you running an enclosed trailer are you running a truck with a topper Um, are you typically hunting in the spread are you hunting out of uh, layouts are you hunting out of a frames what's what's kind of y'all's go-to I mean I'm sure you likely change it up based on what you're seeing and what kind of hide you have but just speaking generally what 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 kind of setup are you guys working with as far as uh the way you're you're approaching these fields with your hide and are you using are you using an enclosed trailer
4: yes um so the guys that i go with they have an enclosed trailer I, i'm actually looking at buying one here um within the next few weeks but uh we we run an enclosed trailer um it's easy to get out there pull it out in the field if the farmers give us permission to uh sure. to pull it out there but um we like to hide under socks I, I feel like that's the best way to do it um especially if you're running a large number of uh Silla socks uh, every now and then we'll do uh, an edge feed or you know an edge hide with uh, layout blinds but that's very rare
0: you know i try to tell guys like And I've said it a million times, but man, hunting inside the spread is seriously like the most fun you can have hunting in a field. Like there's just nothing like being in the middle of them while they're starting that spin and you're just getting yourself in the middle of that, that tornado, whenever they start working their way down on, on top of you, it's just something that. I feel like everybody needs to try it, you know, to try at least once. And I know a lot of people, they feel like, oh, I'm sticking out really bad or this or that, you know, there is a time and a place for it. I mean, One thing I I think is critical when hunting in the spread, and I know a lot of guys don't use them, but I think ghillie blankets are an absolute game changer for hunting in the spread. I mean, I've hunted plenty of times without them putting the decoys over me, but I just feel so much more covered up whenever i've got a ghillie blanket and i think it just helps hide a lot of unnecessary stuff in the field just like shell boxes or you know a red bull can or a you know a thermos or whatever it may be blind bag but a ghillie blanket in a backboard underneath decoys is absolutely it's just so much fun for people that are hunting outside of the spread constantly out of out of an a-frame don't get me wrong it's fun but man if you guys have never given hunting inside the spread a fair shot and by fair shot i mean do it at the right time you don't you're not want to go hide under s5f canadas whenever there's no wind you, you're not want you don't want to do that there is a time and a place to pick your battles but if the conditions are right Give it a shot. I'm telling you, you will not regret it. When it comes together and you're inside the spread, there's just nothing like it. Would you
4: agree? Oh, absolutely, 100. Um, man, we tried it uh, first time this year actually, and uh, I was laying on a backboard with a ghillie blanket and some guys had layout blinds, and it just it went south. Uh, so the next next day we. We've got on another feed, had really good wind, and everybody went and got a wedge blind with a blanket system. And, dude, it was completely like 100% game changer. I think laying on backboards with a ghillie blanket is in the socks with the right conditions is the way to do it. Um, you know, I like A-frame, something out of layout blind, stuff like that. But there's, there's nothing like seeing a big spin – Mallards, honkers, whatever you're shooting, it's just when you're inside the socks and inside the spread, it's it's absolutely insane.
0: You're right. It's awesome. And a lot of people, they ask, they say, you use ghillie blankets. Which ones are you using? Well, up until this point, we've used um, Rancho Safari ghillie blankets. They make a nice ghillie blanket. But um, I'm excited to say that we have our own coming. Um, we've got our own backboards coming that are going to be absolutely awesome. They're going to be made to be run with our tall socks. Um, there's going to be spots in those backboards where you can get the socks right up on. You really get yourself covered up. There's going to be places for your stuff like your, you know, your shells, or your calls, or your phone, anything that's kind of laid out beside you, you want to keep out of the dust and dirt. So I'm really, really excited about those and uh, the, their arrival, you know, that way we can complete the whole package hiding in the spread with dive bomb so uh excited to announce that also um i guess not also more just kind of asking you where's your passion like what what is, what's your thing like i was talking to a guy on a podcast the other day and we started talking about you know our favorite hunts and i'm a duck hunter like i just i love shooting ducks like they're just there's just something about them that just gets me so fired up what what is that for you?
4: I I'm the same way now. I used to be a big goose guy. I used to love shooting honkers over water. Um, of course, you know, being being from Illinois, we we shoot a lot of big geese over water. But uh, once I got out there and started shooting, you know, giant wads of ducks, it just completely changed. It's, it's my favorite thing by far now. Um, I've done you know I've shot mallards and timber before in Arkansas, and it it's fun too. Um, but really, to me, I think I'm kind of – I kind of like shooting mallards in dry field more than anything ever. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's – a guy was asking, he said, what was the biggest group of ducks you've ever worked? And I, I started thinking about it. And, you know, we've definitely had times in the woods. We've we've worked some, some insanely huge groups of ducks. I remember in particular a couple years ago we – I don't know. It's probably been three or four years now, and we were at Black Swamp, and uh, it's a public wildlife management area in East Arkansas. Yeah. And we worked a group that was probably there was probably a thousand birds in it. But but when I think of all the huge groups that we've worked in the woods, and by huge I mean like over a hundred, because that's big. I mean, you start working twenty, thirty down into the trees, that's a big group. But when I start thinking about the number of big groups that I've worked on the prairie. I mean, and it's just like, a, you know, that's a regular thing. You know, it's not, it's not really that I don't want to say not special because it's special every time I could see it a million times and it's special, but it's not like it's a, it's not a, uh, a rare occurrence or something that because if you're working hard and you're scouting your ass off the way you're supposed to, those things like that will come together for you. If you, if you oh, scout absolutely. your ass off, get yourself on the X and get covered up, you can see some very, very magical things. I think a lot of guys is we want to spend so much time hunting and we don't spend enough time scouting. I think that's the biggest error that a lot of people make and they're listening like, ah, these guys are talking about, you know, see all these huge pile pictures and, and don't get it twisted guys. There's a lot of hunts that we go on and we get on the X and get right where they want to be and it don't work out. So don't think that you know, all these guides and outfitters, or, or even us, are, are mowing them down every time we go out there. It's not like that. I'll be the first to tell you it's not like that. That's not the reality of hunting. That's the reality you see on social media from everybody because outfitters, they can't sell hunts with four mallards. You know, you, you piles and, and big smiles is what sells hunts, not not two spoonbills and a gadwall. So um, everything doesn't always work out, but you can greatly put the odds in your favor by putting the miles on your vehicle and scouting spend more time scouting than you do hunting and you're going to be successful
4: scouting is key i've put oh shoot i don't know how many miles on my truck last year um just scouting and even even on days where hunts are going good i you know we've had guys get up and leave and go scout you know um there was one there was one particular hunt we had 12 guys in kansas with us um we had six guys hunting We had a six-man limit an hour and a half. The other six guys were – they were scouting. We picked up. They they met us at the road. We jumped in their truck. They got in the field, and we took off scouting while they hunted. They killed a six-man limit in an hour. So there was a 12-man limit killed, but the whole time we had tires on the ground, guys with binoculars, you know, just scouting.
0: You know, and I know a lot of veteran guys that might be listening to this, they're like, well – fuck, everybody knows that. You know, you got to p- spend a bunch of time scouting. The, the reality, guys, is everybody doesn't know that. The truth is you wouldn't believe how little time most people spend scouting and expect big-time results. Guys that that have been good scouters and been taught by other people how to scout, they think it's just second nature, but this is going back to that stuff that it's really, really easy for us to take for granted because maybe we've been doing it a little bit longer. We've learned from people that are really, really good at it. But this is not just just basic stuff to spend a ton of s- time scouting. It might be basic stuff for you guys that are that are veterans and been doing it for a little bit. But a lot of guys listening, they're spending more time hunting than they are scouting, and that's the biggest problem that you're going to run into is – is if you're doing that, you're consistently going to kill less birds. And don't get me wrong, you're going to run into some good hunts. But over time, say you go spend a week in North Dakota and you spend more time hunting than scouting, you say, oh, well, we had a bad morning hunt. Let's go try to make up for it this afternoon. Okay. You you know, you might kill some birds that afternoon, but what about the next morning? What about the next day? What if those you know, what if those birds move on? What if they do something different and you're not there to see it? So like you said, we do that a lot. There's tons of times the guys are in the field, even in the morning, and we'll be freelancing and it'll be, you know, I'll, I'll give it an hour and a half, couple hours, and then I'll be like, hey guys, I'm going to go take off. And and I'm scouting in the morning and then we're scouting again in the afternoon. We're not even hunting in the afternoon, but I just want to see what those birds are doing in the morning while we're hunting because if I can get a leg up on them that morning and find them again and you know, we can go check on them again that afternoon, then we know that next morning is going to be an absolute slam dunk, you know? So having people that are sometimes say, Hey man, I'll, I'll go hop in the truck, you know, and go, uh, go scouting. Or if you do decide to say, you do have a bust of a morning hunt, And you say, hey, let's see if these birds come back this afternoon. Don't, you know, play the, be a team player, you know, and and take turns if you need to. Say, hey, okay, if you got six of you three, you guys stay here, shoot me text, send me a report. Let me know how it goes. Us three, we're going to go get in our trucks and we're going to find them for tomorrow morning because we can't just spend all our time hunting. We've got to scout.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, most of our trips, we we spend two or three days before we even start hunting, scouting, trying to find what, um, you know, what fields we're going to be on and what location we want to be. I mean, we've, we've had times in Kansas where we end up in one particular town and, uh, the next day we'll be four hours away from there because just, we had, we couldn't find any birds and finally we find them and, you know, we'll get on these fields and, then things start work, lining out and working out good. But there's been times where we've scouted for three days, and it's just been like, man, what the fuck? We're we right. wasting our time out here, you know?
0: Right. No doubt, man. I think that's the biggest – you said it, man. Like When you're out and you go on a trip somewhere, like don't settle. Like Don't be scared to get away from where you are, and don't be scared to call an audible if you have to, if the birds aren't there. Like, like Lauren said, man, we've had times that we – have completely picked up out of an area because it just it was like it was a different place from the last the year before when we visited based on the weather and the pressure and the migration. So, man, don't be afraid to to make a move if you have to to move because man, there's there's no sense in wasting your time trying to force something to happen when you could just make an executive decision to say, "Hey, let, let's make a move." Let's go find some birds because we're wasting some time here. And, you know, say you've only got a week, but hey, you might spend four days scouting, but you might get three hunts in that are, you know, they're hunts that go up on in the wall of your office that you remember for the rest of your life. Or you can spend a week there trying to get something from nothing and you have a week of regret whenever you go home saying, man, uh, yeah, we might've got seven days of hunting in, but, uh, you know, we averaged seven birds a day and that just wasn't very memorable at all so keep that in mind now lauren we've been rolling about 18 minutes now so um before i let you go i want to uh ask you are there any products that we got coming that you're most looking forward to
4: oh man all of them really um Mainly since the F1 Mallards have uh, released. I've i been more excited about their ship date than anything, but really the Dirt Dagger, that is going to be a game changer for us. And um, the, uh, the backboard you guys are coming out with, I'm super excited about that. Uh, maybe the flag, I, was, I think that would be a badass yeah. deal. I yeah. can't wait for that one. Um, the new uh, Canada Silhouettes you guys are going to be releasing, I think will be... I think they'll be sick. I want to see them. I think they'll be cool. Yeah, I think you guys are
0: gonna love them. Are uh, just kind of going through a few of those things, the dirt daggers. I think we'll have those back about August fifteenth. I don't know if you guys have used rubber mallets or not, but make sure you guys are definitely you know utilizing those. I highly suggest keeping one of those. And, and the guys that hunt in cold weather states, I, uh, you know, we go hunt with these guys and all the time. I'll be like, Hey, where's your rubber mallet? You know, it'd be frozen. I'll be like, Hey, where's your rubber mallets? We could get these things set out in like no time, 50 dozen, like no time with five or six people. And guys are like, Oh, we don't have any. I'm like, what? Like you hunt in a place that it's below freezing, like (laughs) half the waterfowl season. You don't have a rubber mallet. Like you can get a rubber mallet for five bucks at any hardware store, just with a wooden handle. And, Every single standard brown bag needs to have a rubber mallet. That way, even if people don't have them with them, you take those things out of the trailer, carry them to their spot, open them up. There's a rubber mallet in it. So Absolutely. Uh, if you're not utilizing rubber mallets, you know, the dirt daggers, they're awesome. They work really well. But if you if you don't have one, you know, I say this with a disclaimer, if it's, if, you know, if it's sub-zero temps and you, you split decoys with a rubber mallet, I'm going to tell you, you should have used a dirt dagger. So don't, you know, don't call me. About that, I'm not speaking to you specifically, Lauren, I'm just saying in general, if a poor strike of a rubber mallet, people have seen me say it on the forum, a poor strike of a rubber mallet on cold decoys that have been stored in a trailer or outside on a cold day, they are susceptible to cracking. Now, if you hit them properly, it's not going to happen, but it can happen. And my suggestion for that is, is a dirt dagger, but um, the flag, those are on the way to expect to see those by October Backboards will be a little bit later than that. Those aren't uh, going to be here quite as quickly as as the dirt daggers and the flags. Right. Uh, the alternate Canada poses; those will be here. Uh, expect those by October as well. So, I think you guys are going to love those poses. They're just going to add <clears throat> a completely different dynamic to the spread. Add an element of of depth that is just going to absolutely make that spread pop and bring that thing just some seriously added realism so um, before I let you go is there uh, anything else you want to add or uh, the floor yours for a moment if you'd like it
4: going back to the rubber mallet um, I know people use the dirt dagger and they they really like it I know people who use the rubber mallet and they they seem to have succe- success with it but I've actually found that uh, you know I don't have a dirt dagger at least until you guys release them again um, I use a, a drill with a drill bit, like a quarter inch drill bit. Drill it in the ground. Uh, it takes a little extra time, but when your ground's frozen, you don't want to you don't want to bust up your decoys. Sure. It's, uh, I mean, it, you can do it quickly. It's it's a lot easier than trying to jam, uh, you know, the stakes for the V 2 fs into a fucking frozen ground. Sure,
0: definitely a great idea, and that's you know a lot of people. Have mentioned that, um, you know, if you, if you have a, a nice cordless drill and, you know, that's a great option. Uh, you know, yeah. if you don't, then, you know, go to the hardware store, get your rubber mallet, get you, you know, spend 40 bucks, get yourself a dirt dagger. Um, but a cordless drill is, is an, is an excellent option. So very good point. Um, other than that, man, Lauren, I, uh, I appreciate you joining us, man. I appreciate your, your support of the brand, um, You've been a, a great ambassador for our brand. Um, you know, always coming with with um, you know insightful input on the page and, and a ton of support. We greatly appreciate it. And uh, you know, I'm going to meet you in person eventually. Uh, hopefully, sometime this you know this fall we'll be able to catch up and um, you know I'll be able to shake your hand. But uh, I've enjoyed getting to know you, and uh, I look forward to, uh, talking to you more in this waterfowl season, keeping, you know, keeping up to date with you guys.
4: Absolutely, man. Thank you guys for having me. And, uh, hopefully I brought something useful to all you guys out here listening. Thank you guys.
0: All right. Thanks, Lauren. We'll talk to you soon, man. All right. And last, uh, but not least out of Washington, we have Tyler Bush representing the Pacific flyway. Tyler, what's up,
2: man? How's it going, man?
0: It's going, man. It's going really, really good. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're able to uh, get together and get you on. It's been a, a little bit trying to get everything coordinated. We got you, you out there in the Pacific Northwest, but, but uh, we're here now, ready to make it happen. Exactly. All right. So, Tyler of of the other guys in in the chat, you're relatively new to running Dive Bomb Industry Spread. Looking looking at your order history. Once you started, you really dove headfirst into converting your spread very rapidly. What, what was it about Bomb products that made you say, you know what, I want to, I want to make the switch and run these.
2: Well, you know, I went out and bought a couple of the other brands out there and tested them out and, and tried them, field tested them was, they were working all right. And then, uh, one of my buddies, Anthony, he told me to try you guys, and so I bought my first ten dozen and and tested them out. And I'm like, "Wow, these are getting these are going out a little bit faster, and and I can take them down faster. They pack a little bit easier, and uh, they they look good. They stick down. Or they stick in the ground pretty good. And uh, running volumes like what I do now, uh, it the faster that you can put them up and the faster you can take them down is the faster that you can get out of the field. And I love it.
0: Awesome. Now
2: being in the Pacific Northwest, I have very limited
0: experience out there, but I know, you know, it's, it's a special place we were talking before we got on here. Really. It's, it's a hidden gem. Now, would you say you spend the majority of your time waterfowl hunting, chasing
2: the white birds? I do. I do. Uh, They they love hanging out just north of me, and uh, that's uh, those are pretty much the uh, tested uh, dive bombs that I have used so far. I've started getting into the mallards and the and the geese during this off season, but uh, I I love chasing those white birds. I've driven down to Oregon, driven to Eastern Washington for them. Uh, Yeah, I love chasing those whiteies.
0: Now, do you have? Much experience uh, hunting these white birds under the S5 snows in the spread. Have you guys done that yet?
2: I do. Uh, we have about 15 dozen. Uh, run some backboards. We, uh, we've we never hunted out of a, a pit blind or an A-frame or anything like that. We we are mainly under the S5s, and they're working out great. Get some uh, V2s in V2 silos in between the talls kind of hide us a little bit better. Um, we throw in some S3s as well, uh, just as getting the hide going for the dogs as well.
0: Right. Now, what um what size snow spreads are you guys predominantly running out there? You know, a lot of times here in in the lower Mississippi flyway, you know, guys are running really, really big spreads, 150, 200 dozen. What, what would a... A normal spread for you guys look like out there
2: so there's uh there's three of us in this general area that run the spread that we run but normally uh you can drive up and down the road and you can see the guys sitting out you know 15 to 20 dozen you know 30 dozen here or there um there's a few uh i know that we're running about 4500 decoys now There's one other gentleman out here running about 5,000 and then uh, another guy running about 2,000. How long does it take you guys to set up? Uh, So we did at the end of the season, we had five guys and uh, we had never been in that field before. We went over east and we we actually set up 4,000 in uh, about an hour and a half.
0: Wow. That's awesome, man. What um, what kind what kind of results did you guys have last year? I mean, you you started running dive bombs pretty hard and put them to the test. What kind of what kind of results were you seeing based on what you've seen in the past? Would you say they were on par? Would you say, um, you know, the biggest reason for the switch was the the uh, portability and the um maneuverability of them or would you say you guys have also seen an increase in your harvest numbers
2: we we've seen a big increase uh last year we were only running you know two three hundred decoys and we shot probably 10 15 birds but this year we put it we put our nose to the ground and worked our ass off during the off season to buy the decoys that we did and and i mean we did a final count at the end of the season of 260 birds. I mean, I know over in the other flyways, 260 is, you know, a a one day deal, but over here only being able to shoot six of them a day, that's a pretty good number for us.
0: Right. And how many days would you guys say you
2: spent in the field chasing um, snow geese last year? Uh, You know, uh, my buddy Josh would be out Friday scouting trying to find us fields and whatnot and because I was working and he would say all right I found us a field and then we'd hit it hard Saturday scout scout Saturday night and then hit again Sunday trying to get into another field
0: okay so you guys were doing most of your hunting you guys were hunting weekends predominantly yeah yeah okay so to to put that in perspective I know a lot of people say oh 260 he only shot 260 snow geese but if you think about that Like he said, most people, they have no idea that up there you can only shoot six snow geese a person, which is crazy, you know, from coming from somebody like me in Arkansas, because we're like, God, they're, you know, they're everywhere. And we got these conservation seasons and you can just burn them to the ground. You see a guy like John Olson and they, they go out there and they shoot 260. But when you put it into perspective, you, you've got a, a small group of guys you're hunting with. You shot 260 birds. You divide that by six, and you know I'm I'm not that good at math. That's probably somewhere around. That's over 40. What is that like? That's over 43 limits of birds. Okay, so you take that by the days you hunted and the number of people you hunted with, and you look up and you say, okay, that's that's pretty damn good. You know, a lot of people they that's really nothing to sneeze at when you start thinking about the numbers compared to the ability to only shoot six snow. I mean, that's crazy to me. You can only shoot six. What? Yep. And we, we,
2: we have an early, or we have a late snow goose too, but they do not change the, uh, we, they call it like a conservation season here, but they don't change the limit. Man,
0: that's so crazy to me. And now being where you're at, you guys get a lot of rain. You get a lot of rain. It gets really muddy. And before, Um, we started this podcast we were just kind of kind of shooting the shit a little bit and Tyler was um, we were talking about decoys and cleaning decoys. Uh, Tyler can you share briefly the process that you use to clean your decoys because I get a lot of uh, pictures and and videos of guys uh, they got their troops lined up and they're hosing them down and They got the scrubbers out and the Dawn soap, which is awesome. It works, but man, it's funny. You would think, uh, you know, doing this for a living, I would know like all the best tips and all the most efficient ways. So Tyler, can you briefly share how you guys like to clean your decoys when they get all mudded up?
2: Yeah, no, uh, end of the season, we took, took a little extra time cleaning up and we picked out, you know, 20, 25 dozen decoys that were dirty, to our expectations and uh grabbed a six pack of beer, watched some TV and unscrewed um take, took the screw out of the top, pulled the sock off the backbone and the steak, and uh ran all of them through the washer with, you know, on delicate with a teaspoon of of bleach and some uh, laundry detergent, and then repeat the process putting them back together. It took me about two nights, but it wasn't too bad at all. Man. Yeah, that that's
0: awesome. You know, it's funny. One of our our awesome guys, uh, Brendan Hudson, he was he sent me Snapchats for like four days straight, and they're like, he's got this kid. He was like punishing him, like hosing down decoys or something. <laughs> and you told me that, and I was like, golly, you 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 put twenty dozen in a load, and man, that could add up really really quick. I mean, you you dedicate your time to doing that. I mean, you take a screw out put it on there. And I asked him, I said, now, if, if, if I start recommending this to people, I said, did you, how many troops did you lose? Because if I, if, if I start telling people to do this and, and they have something go wrong, they'll be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You told me to wash my decoys. And he, he said that he had no issues and they came out looking nice. The snows, blues, and juvies all came out looking awesome. So, Hey, if you, uh, if you've got some dirty decoys and you don't want to, you want to, uh, you know, avoid the manual labor, other than getting that screw out and getting that decoy in the wash. Uh, pretty good suggestion there from Tyler. He also told me something else really, really cool. Two things. He's, he's kind of, he's really blown my mind. Um, you know, we I just feel like things I should know. And, and I just, awesome <laughs> because I learn new stuff all the time, you know, Tyler's, he's new to Die Bomb. He's been an incredible supporter of us um, over the last year, but you know, I've learned in stuff from from guys that have been running them uh, for seven, eight years and then and a guy that, that's brand new. So, um, man, I, I love learning all this new stuff from from all of our, you know, our different guys that are running our products because it helps me be able to pass on that information to our customers. But he was talking, he, he mentioned that he would like to see uh, an S5 Juvie um, because we currently, you know, we make the S5 Snow's um, in our tall socks, those are for hiding in the spread that we were, we were just talking about, but he said he would like to see an S5 juvie to kind of just kind of give that a little bit more of a salt and pepper look, you know, to kind of break up that sea of white just a little bit. And we were, we were talking, I said, yeah, you know, it's, it's something we definitely want to offer. And and I'm, I'm certain we'll eventually offer just right now. We've got so much going on. We just, uh, it's just not something we're able to to get off of another project to do, and and he presented an awesome idea um, for something that him and his his group are going to do. So can you share that with with us?
2: Well, I mean, if you're cleaning your S fives, uh, your S five whites, and then you got your Juvies or whatnot, take the instead of putting the S five white back on the on the tall stake, take the Juvie and put it on uh, that tall stake. I mean they'll they'll work and everything and we haven't done it yet, but I'm willing to give it a shot and kind of get that little salt and pepper out there.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not that hard to do actually on, I've got a little cabinet here beside me that I've got, I don't know, about a dozen uh, feeder heads from socks and those, those heads actually came off. I had, I had some upright heads that I swapped those out with. So literally all you have to do is, is you take that that screw off and you slide that head down with that bag as well. And you take the head, you take the bag off, and you just replace it with the one that you want. So, you know, you don't have to put a full, you know, five dozen of Juvies together. We're just talking about just a nice little blend, just mixing some in there. So it's not like you got to spend all night converting all your S5s to S5 Juvies. But I was just that was just a great idea on a way for people to maybe uh, diversify their their tall set just a little bit until maybe that is something we can offer. So it's really really easy. I mean, you guys that have socks, you'll see there's a little hex screw there on the top. Unscrew that sucker, slide it down, put the head on, put the bag on. Or if you just want to make them headless, you can do that as well. So. You could do uh, that, it, you that, could do it with awesome blues as well. Absolutely, absolutely right. So there you go. People wondering about your tall blues and juvies. Do we currently offer them? No, but if you get creative, really, really good suggestion there from Tyler. So, Tyler, um, a couple more things I want to want to just talk about real quick. As a a guy that does freelance hunting in the the Pacific Northwest, how is um, the ability to get access and get permission up there.
2: You know, it's, uh, it's a little tough. There's, there's some groups or hunting groups or whatever that have, um, a lot of the land leased up or, or whatnot. Um, we have one lease field, um, that we, it's kind of our, our, either our go-to or our backup plan. If that, if that makes sense. Um, there's a public land out there that we, uh, We've actually had great success out on public land as well. Uh, early season, got went out there. Um, we shot, we shot four man limit by ten o'clock. Uh, a couple weeks later, set up again. We shot a two man two, or it was only me and one other guy. We only we, I've only brought out a thousand decoys, and we shot a two man limit by ten or eleven. Um, it's it it it's real fun up here uh the public land there's a lot of hiking in with them and with the bags they work out great you can throw one up over the over your neck and then two on your shoulder you can pack out three bags at once there uh the pad helps a whole lot as well you can you can fit enough decoys in each bag that you're not making ten thousand trips if if it would be full bodies or whatnot too
0: Definitely, man. Now, before we let you go, we've been going about—I don't know—almost sixteen minutes now. So we've we've hit our time. Before I, before I let you go, is there a certain product that we've maybe hinted at in the pipeline uh, that you are looking
2: forward to the most? Um, I already pre-ordered, or I got a couple of the couple dozen of the mallards coming. Um, I'm actually kind of excited. I kind of, I, I, I kind of want to try and get out of the, out of the spread and get away from it a little bit. And I'm looking forward to those A-frames. Okay. All right. Either that that or the
0: backboards. Uh, Yeah. 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 I, um, the backboards are, they're absolutely awesome. Uh, I was looking at a picture of those today that Cody had shared with me, and and I know you guys are going to love my figure. Being where you're at, at you would just say without hesitation the Wijin silhouettes. You know everybody up there. You guys, you guys love your widget, and rightfully so. Oh um, yeah. But uh, well Tyler, man, I uh, we appreciate your support of this brand. We appreciate you taking your time to come on and join us. You got a, you know, you got a lot of votes from people that. That wanted to hear you on here, so we're we're really excited about this episode. I think it's going to be really cool. Uh, there's a lot of different things in it that uh, I think a lot of people can can relate to and enjoy listening to. And you brought us a couple really really useful tips, man. So I know some people are are going to be able to benefit from those and and uh, apply those to their dive bond products moving forward. So Tyler, uh, we appreciate you joining us, man.
2: Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity as well. And thank you for everybody that voted for me in the uh, in the vote there. Okay, Tyler. We'll talk soon, man. Thank you. Not a problem.
0: All right. As always, we appreciate you tuning in to the Dive Bomb Squadcast. I'm really interested to see how this episode does. I would like to do more like this with Dive Bomb users this season. So, If you do like this episode, please hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Make sure you are subscribed to our YouTube channel. We've got some big things coming there this fall. Give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok if you aren't already. The closed Facebook page, Bomb Ministries Forum and Fan Page is without a doubt the best outlet for inside information. So make sure you guys are in there. Season will be here before we know it, so make sure you guys are ready. Talk to you soon. Y'all be good. Thank you for listening to the
4: Dot Bomb Squadcast.